I was <clears throat> I was noticing uh, the sound of the steam coming on and feeling uh, really grateful for it. And then hearing, I believe, hearing Alistair coming up and down the steps, checking, making sure it was all. We haven't we haven't run it properly for since pre-pandemic. Um, and we put a lot of, um, a building committee put a lot of effort and finances into getting the furnace downstairs. It's very old, but it's workable, but it needed a lot of work. And so this is the first time we're testing it again. We tested it a little while ago, but then it flooded with all the rains. And so now we're testing it again, put a sump top, sump, what, what do you call those things? Sump, sump pump <laughs> in, and now it's dry. So, so just feeling really grateful for all the effort um, that went into that. And um, I, I recall in years uh, past being annoyed with that sound. <laughs> you know, it's disturbing, disturbing my meditation. Um, it's actually very quiet compared to what it used to be. Uh, so uh, just attitude, you know, one attitude leads to an unhealth, unhealthy, unwholesome sense, uh, you know, which can be a hell realm. And another attitude leads to, you know, wholesome sense, which can be a heavenly realm. That's what the Brahma Viharas are. Brahma is heavenly, is exalted. And Vihara is a place the heart dwells. Yeah. And so I heard recently a talk by a monk, I'm not recalling who it was, saying something that I hadn't heard before or something I don't recognize it as having heard before is that gratitude is a doorway. It opens the heart to meta, to kindness. And uh, kindness moves one forward uh, out of their own sense of self, which opens us up to uh, be inspired to be generous. You know, we want to give back. We want to, we want to say something kind ourselves. And it's just, it, it's a lovely way to feed each other, to feed community. You know, somebody says something nice. I want to say something nice. Uh, the Ajahn Chah lineage is really grounded in you know, spontaneous acts of generosity because it changes our mind. It changes our community, the people we come into contact with in all positive ways. It's a way of letting go of self-centeredness. I need you to be how I want you to be so I don't suffer. Well, the Buddhist teaching 
And the way Ajahn Chah ran his monastery was, was not in that way, was not about how are we going to, how can we operate so that we satisfy everyone, so that you're happy to be here. It was more about, yeah, we're human. We, we are imperfect in the human realm. Uh, it can be challenging to bump into each other. Um, how do we take our suffering, reflect on what are we doing that's making us suffer? And open up to how can I do this better? And then reflect again. Now I'm not suffering. Am I continuing to suffer? Okay, what do I do? So I'll give a, a little example, a very uh, simple example, but taking the teachings that I've received from Lungpur Pasano all these years, uh, who's been incredibly inspired and Lungpur Pasano inspired and grateful for his teacher, Ajahn Chah, and, and grounded in that way of uh, walking the path of Dhamma and sharing it with us all these years. Forgot where I started there, but <laughs> I'm starting to get all inspired by, I remember so many times how Ajahn Pasano sometimes would reflect on his gratitude toward Ajahn Chah the teachings that he's received. And uh, he would literally just cry. He'd be so touched, you know, and, and then, and he's been sharing with us for 23 years, sometimes twice a year. Um, I'm going to try to wind back. So an example of the teachings that come from the Buddha through Ajahn Chah, through Lungpur Pasano, that I can find in my everyday life the advantage of and the release from my own suffering because of these teachings, because of this lineage, with its flaws and everything. I, uh, the other day, um, I think a number of you have probably heard me over the years talk a little about my grandchildren and uh, Emerson being my youngest grandchild, my final grandchild, um, because my children are older now and they are not having any more children. Anyway, Emerson, who started out life on the day of lockdown for the hospital, uh, so for her first couple of years, she was only with her moms. And then um, trying to take her or attempting to babysit her, as I did all my grandchildren, uh, it was very difficult for her. And um, she had incredible tantrums that, to the extent that I had never seen before. And uh, she has slowly but surely... Uh, she's almost four now, and she's growing out of that. She's learning to manage herself or um, regulate herself, which is really wonderful. And 
she's just um, now, I will say, <laughs> she is so cute. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm loving so much. I'm loving interactions with her. She's, she's got a great sense of humor. I can tell, I can feel myself wanting to go off and tell you all the wonderful things about her. So, well, this last Wednesday, uh, we had, I had, I'd served them dinner and uh, she immediately started complaining because I always make homemade pizza because I know they, they love my homemade pizza. So I have it every, and then I just thought, I'm, gonna, I'm really getting tired of this. I'm going to make something new. And, and she was not happy with the fact that she did not get that homemade pizza. And so she had a little bit of a tantrum, but she regulated herself and, and uh, came out of it. And, and then going to take her home and her, her and her, her brother, her older brother, Jameson. So we're getting in the car. It's, it's a freezing cold out and she's getting she's getting in the car and she's still in a car seat and she she's now she's really tired and she's and she's kind of grumpy she's already kind of set that mood she's kind of grumpy and she's i'm standing there at the door and i'm gonna and i'll go shall i help you up no i can do it it's okay okay i can't do it all right i'll help you i can do it all right, all right. I can't do it. <laughs> I went back and forth like five times. And finally, I just, I'm going to help you. And she started screaming and kicking and threw a tantrum that I haven't seen in quite some time. And I'm sure there's one or two mothers or fathers in this room that can relate to trying to put a tantrum child and in a car seat and trying to buckle them up is not very fun. And it's really cold out. And I can feel myself getting grumpy. Uh, and so <laughs> I pull, I, I, I pull back and I said, okay. And she started, we're, we're all done. I'm done. And, and so let's go. And she just screams, folds her arms and says, I'm never coming back here, Nana. <laughs> and what did I do? I slammed the door. <laughs> And I, and I felt it. I'm like, oh God, I'm in a hell realm. This, this is not, this is not wholesome. And this is what Ajahn Chah emphasized and what Lumpur Pasano taught me over and over is paying attention to what we're feeling. Where are we? Is it a wholesome place or an unwholesome place? And what are you going to do about it? Because that's our escape. We can train ourselves to redirect. And one way of redirecting, and this is going through my mind as I'm walking around the back of the car, is through generosity. That wasn't very generous. That was all about me not liking what you're doing and now you're making me suffer. It's not true. It's my ill will that's making me suffer. And I got caught up in my mood. Okay, walking around the car, generosity, 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 get in the car. And she's she's still, she's now kicking the back of the seat of the passenger. <laughs> and I'm like, generosity, generosity. <laughs> what, are, 
<laughs> and I see Christmas lights up ahead. And, I get, and so I'm like, oh, we're going to go down this street and you guys are going to be amazed. Oh, look, 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 look. Right around the corner is this house that is really decorated up. And it's really quite beautiful. And I'm just like, oh, I just really love, and I, this is true, I love to to view Christmas lights. I really love Christmas lights. And Jameson's now all excited about them. And out of Emerson's mouth comes, I love blue lights. And I'm like, let's go find some blue lights. Heaven, heavenly realm. That's an escape. We can actually maneuver ourselves through our ill will, through our meta. We can direct our mind and our heart to let go of the unwholesome if we recognize it. And we can recognize it when we, as we train ourselves to stay present or mindful of what we're feeling. Am I feeling a hell realm? Am I feeling a heavenly realm? I'm feeling neutral is fine too. It's just, this is okay. You know, sometimes in neutral, we can actually get lazy. So sometimes just paying attention to, do I have an opportunity to be generous? So generosity can open the door to a, a sense of kindness and a sense of kindness can open the door to gratitude. So I was really grateful to Emerson for her, you know, coming around to regulate herself, which she did through some help. You know, but we have this uh, effect on each other. So I wanted to read this. It's just like a couple, takes two minutes to read. This is Ajahn Sumedho talking about his gratitude for the uh, Ajahn Chah's teachings, what he's learning, uh, the benefit of uh, Ajahn Chah's teaching. So it's called Gratitude. Um, it's an updated version of an earlier Dhamma book, which some people may have heard of called Gratitude to Parents. And it's updated by bringing in Lumpur Pasana, I mean, Lumpur Chas. And I, I think I feel very, I, I probably don't have the depth of gratitude that Ajahn Pasana has for Ajahn Chah just because I haven't had that same kind of uh, life experience, but I have a deep depth of gratitude toward Lumpur Pasano. And that's because of Lumpur Cha. So Lumpur Cha's way of teaching was about getting to know yourself, about looking at your mind, at your chitta. So anyone who doesn't know what a chitta is, is it's the mind-heart combination. They're constantly, you know, responding to each other. So Lumpur Cha's way of teaching was about getting to know yourself, about looking at your mind, at your chitta. 
So you're aware all the time of what you're feeling. Know your emotions. Do not get caught up in your own emotions. Keep observing what you're feeling emotionally. I had a lot of emotions coming up about being the only Farang, which means foreigner. I had a lot of emotions about being the only Farang there, feeling insecure and not understanding things very well. Sometimes I'd feel lonely and other, and other times arrogant. I felt that I felt that a lot of what we're doing was of no value and I didn't agree with it. But there was emphasis on knowing yourself, knowing your emotions, to be the one who knows, or Peru in Thai. The Peru style being the knowing, I found really helpful. I began to see how I was creating my own suffering by holding on to views or by projecting things onto other monks. When I actually reflected on the existing conditions, I saw they were very good. I had food and requisites, a good teacher, and the monks were basically all good people. So when I really contemplate the actual situation, I saw it was a very good place. Then because of the Puru style, I could see whenever jealousy or fear, resentment or arrogance arose, how I created those things. Once I could see this, I could let go. I didn't have to hold on. Once I saw that I was the one who created these moods, I could take the position of being the one who knows, the one who is aware. I worked through a lot of emotional habits that way. You know how it can be when you're the only foreigner? You don't know what's happening or what they're thinking. I experienced times of paranoia, thinking, what are they really thinking? Why do they do that? And yet because of the teaching, the puru, I could see that I was making it up myself, that my fear or projection of them was what I made. It wasn't the others. It was what I was creating in my mind. I feel that I have received the very best from life, not only in terms of the Buddhist teachings, but also in terms of its manifestation in the life of Ajahn Chah. I feel a lot of gratitude for Ajahn Chah. And gratitude is just such a pleasant feeling. You know, it's just, it's warm. And it opens us up into the possibility of being inspired to give back, to do something, to spread joy, if that's you know, within the circumstances. You know, these attitudes can move us through very difficult times as well, through challenging times. I remember once uh, my, uh, one of my older brothers was, was passing away from cancer. And uh, I went to my, I hadn't, I hadn't seen him in a long time. And I went to my mom to share with her that, you know, I, I hear Michael is dying. You know, have you been able to 
see him. And my intention was, I was about to share with her, you know, some history uh, with my brother that she wasn't aware of, and I was not going to go see him. And she didn't drive, but I was willing to drop her off, you know, to, so that she could go see him. And and uh, and so as I began to bring this up with her, she she kind of had a panic attack, and I recognized that you know, wow, this isn't, this isn't important. This isn't healthy. I'm going to drop this. This the important thing is to get her over to, to visit with my brother, you know? So I, I, I dropped it, changed the subject, told her really the purpose I'm here is to get you to visit, you know, before, so you have a chance to say goodbye, um, of which we, were able to do, but then she was so nervous to go in that I had to go in with her. And, um, and I did, and I ended up taking her a couple of times. And the first time I went, my brother was um, visibly nervous to see me. We haven't, we hadn't talked since for many years. And he was, you know, and I think when you're I've seen, I've, I've been with many people who have passed away. And I think it's common as we're approaching the end of our life for things that we regret or feel guilty about comes up. And he and I had never dealt with this. And he was visibly nervous, which made my mother nervous. And so when she asked me to take her again for the second time, I realized the best thing, I was miserable. I didn't want to do it. You know, I, I was thinking of all these reasons to be upset with him and blah, 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 hell realm, hell realm, hell realm. He's going to die. And, you know, I'm going to be left carrying this stuff. But, um, as I saw how upset this was, upsetting this was for my mother and knowing it was important for her. Well, actually, one thing I forgot to share with you is when I started to tell her about, you know, just started to move into why I was upset with my brother, she went into a panic attack and she stopped me and she said, you know, that is my favorite child. <laughs> I'm just like... Yeah, well, I know that. <laughs> That's been obvious, Mom. She had ten children, <laughs> and um, and I just it. This isn't worth it. I just realized that. So anyway, her favorite child is now passing away, and she needs to be able to spend time with him. And I'm going to take her, and she's going to drag me in there with her based on experience. So we did that once. The second time is like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to drop this and I'm just going to forgive him internally so that my mom can have a chance to say goodbye to him in a, she can't do it in an atmosphere where there's all this anxiety, which there clearly was when I entered the room. And so feeling, moving out of the hell realm, the unwholesome, I hate you kind of realm, 
into a space of generosity of opening a possible space up for another person to be able to experience what they need to experience being my mom connecting with her favorite child as they're passing away it was a tall i entered that room in a totally different attitude i it was a act of generosity that made me grateful believe it or not for the connection these two human beings had for each other didn't have to be about me it wasn't my mother preferred my brother over me who i resented both my brother and my mother it wasn't about me and this is what generosity moves us out of this sense of self how could this world how could all of you people out here not you guys <laughs> but being my mother and my brother how could they change so that i wasn't going to suffer it doesn't it doesn't work that way and ajahn cha and ajahn pasam have been teaching this for and and i was deeply involved with uh training with ajahn pasam at the time and so walking in there in a without resentment but moving into this place where i could feel the generosity of doing this for my mother made me grateful for the opportunity to let go of this hell realm and that was a heavenly realm and the experience of walking in my brother just lit up and i don't know what was different on my face but clearly when one is feeling hatred versus is a completely you're going to your energies that another person's going to pick up when you enter the room is going to be very different than when one is feeling generous and grateful and he picked it up i think we're more sensitive even as we're dying but he picked it up and he just brightened up you know and, and the three of us smiled and boy i mean and i i consider that a miracle you know the, the miracle of this practice you know and we have direct teachings through the ajahn chah lineage to understand how to make the choices to not suffer to not be selfish to be generous we can look at and if we want we can search and we can find things that we don't like about the particular lineage or we can see what this training actually does provide for us a sense a doorway out a path out of suffering it works <laughs> it works in small ways with you know tantrum children and in big ways with adults that are dying and have been abusive there's a heavenly realm in large and small in 
always of everyday life. And we have contact with a lineage that teaches this and support.